Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It brings a joy to us in the celebration because all of the dead things become alive. And, um, you know, as I was thinking about Resurrection Sunday, uh, one of the things that struck me is the three days that, that changed our history, changed our world, changed your life, changed my life, or can change your life, is in front of us. On Good Friday, we already been and celebrate together but I just want to take you back because you know there was a, a traumatic event that we perhaps sometimes don't take fully on about Christ and the price he paid for us at 12 o'clock he was probably arrested they think by six o'clock he'd had three trials from the Jews who found him guilty of blasphemy at six o'clock he was taken to Pilate and had three more trials by the Romans who found him not guilty uh, and found no fault in him at all. He was beaten. He was scourged by the Romans. And by nine o'clock in the morning, he was crucified. Now, if there was ever quick justice, it was there. And so our Christ was, was crucified. Our Messiah went through traumatic events. He hadn't slept. He hadn't had a chance to collect himself. He was spat on. He, all these things happened to him. And it brings us into context to the price he really paid for us, for you and for me. And sometimes we can gloss over it, sometimes we just forget it. Uh, but the price was immense that he prayed, that he paid for us. And, they, and doctors and, have, have looked at this and, and come to the conclusion that he had a cardiac rupture, that his heart burst. And uh, his heart broke for his world that he died for, broke for you and for me. That's the price he paid for us. And uh, as we're thinking through, um, we forget Easter Saturday. Easter Saturday was where he was laid in the tomb. Before the sun went down, they laid him in the tomb. And to make sure that he stayed in the tomb, finality had to come, they sealed the tomb. Now they think it was, they mortared him in. What, what stupidity to think you could keep the Son of God in a tomb by mortaring him in to say that it's finished. And of course, that's exactly what happened to, to Resurrection Sunday. But as I thought about this, I thought, and God really spoke to me, and the reason I'm going to say this is because some of us still are in Easter Saturday. Our dreams and our aspirations and our life are stuck in the tomb and sealed. That the, the audacity of the enemy could keep your dreams and aspirations as a child of God locked away. And, and if we're not careful, we can stay in a day of doubt and disillusionment and disbelief. Did God really say is this really for me? Is this what God wants for me? Are my dreams still alive in him? Are the things that I wanted still going to come to fruition in God? You know, is it all finished? Is it all lost? Is Christ dead on the cross, never to rise again? This is what we're going through the people's mind, I'm sure, on Easter Saturday as they faced what we now know of Resurrection Sunday. They were facing the fact they put their faith in Christ, who was now dead and laid in a tomb, what were they thinking? And that's the thing that we, we have to come through. Sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we lose sight of our Christ, the living one, the risen Lord and Saviour. Sometimes we just forget the promises and dreams God's placed in our hearts. And they die, but he's risen and he's alive. And so are you in him today. And I want us just to kind of bring that through because... Those truths help us understand the true potential of, 
of Easter Sunday. And um, that's the thing that we came to. On Easter Sunday, the two Marys and some other women went down to the tomb to, to, to see what had happened. You know, the, the, the talk the scriptures say was, who's going to move the stone? That was the main thought. That's a big stone they put in front. It was rolled across. Who's going who's gonna to move that? How are we going to get in? And of course, when they turned up, the stone had already been moved. It was already. And an angel sat on the, on the, on the rock and said, that this, this incredible, for me, incredible piece of scripture, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. He's not here. One of the pieces of scripture says in Luke 24, 5, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? And let me say, for some of us, we look for life in dead places. You're going to the wrong place. You're not looking to the risen Lord. You're looking to other things to bring you life and you will not find it. You might find it in a short burst, but you will not find your life if you're looking in the wrong places. It's temporal. It will not last. We need to be looking for the risen Lord, our saviour. And, and that's the thing we have put our attention on. So the girls went down to, to make ready the body. The stone had been moved. Christ was alive. He's risen. And uh, I, I, I just kind of had these thoughts, and these are, these are my thoughts, that while the women went down to the tomb, the men were locked behind in a room. And uh, they were tucked away and I just thought often when Jeanette asked me to do a job I have to plan it I can't just do it I have to plan it and she says let's just get on with it and I say we can't just get on with it we've got to we've got to plan it we've got to work out how this is all going to happen and and I I just got the sense of the women were out doing the, getting ready and the men were praying in the in the room and sometimes we just got to realize that particularly for us men we've got to step up We've got to step forward. This is not a sexist comment, but sometimes we're in danger of, of sitting back and not moving in. And, and this is particularly, I really feel it strongly for men today, we've got to stand up and be counted. We've got to start moving forward. So the story is that we've got to now Resurrection Sunday. The grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't have him. He was risen and he's alive. He conquered sin and death. He conquered the grave. He overcame all those things. And now he's living victorious. So what started on, on Good Friday that looked like the worst thing that could ever happen by Resurrection Sunday, everything had changed around. It became the most glorious day. From defeat came success. From the fact of what the enemy intended for your life was turned to become the greatest victory. What, what was dead is now alive. And so we, we rejoice in those facts that the fact that we came to this incredible failure has turned into the most wonderful success. God broke into our world and changed everything. He changed our lives when we didn't deserve it, but he, he, he did it for us. So I want to look at quick four truths of Easter that uh, really I, I feel are, 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 are the things that we really need to look at. Um, Number one, it's found in Luke 23:24 in the NIV. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Number one, complete, complete forgiveness for all. 
complete forgiveness for all. Not partial, complete. On the cross when he said this, you know, a lot of commentators have said he was speaking to the Roman soldiers, just crucified him. And of course, that was part of his prayer. And of course, for the Sanhedrin, for the high priest, for Ananias, forgive them because they have done this. For Pilate and the Romans, forgive them. But his prayer was much wider, much bigger, much larger. It was for you and for me. It was for mankind. He said, forgive them, Father. Completely forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And before I came to Christ, I didn't know what I was doing. And I guess the story might be the same for you, is that I didn't deserve it. I didn't know. But his prayer echoed through time because that prayer was a prayer for every man, every woman, every child that we would be forgiven. Not only were we forgiven, but we were justified. And this is such an important word. You know, sometimes we throw away these words, um, but they've got real meaning to them. To be justified really is a court term that says that you were guilty, but because someone paid a price, you are now innocent. You can walk away. Totally innocent. There's nothing that can hold you. The only thing that holds you is when you go back to take up what you used to do again. That's the only time. As far as Christ is concerned, it is finished. It's forgiven. It's done with. So when we think of justified, we just think of just as if I never. Just if I never. And that's important for us to realise. This forgiveness that came dealt with the feelings of guilt which we all have, but it dealt with your guilt. It dealt with the whole thing. It didn't just say, you don't have to feel that way. It said the root of what you did is dealt with. You are forgiven. And for some of us, we don't really walk in the forgiveness that Christ has got. We still walk with shame and guilt. And yet it was forgiven on that cross. And so the Bible says, and this is a these scriptures are wonderful because if we just understand them, in 2 Corinthians it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old has gone, the new life has begun. In the translation, Passion Translation, NIV, it says you're a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. You are a new person. If you've accepted Christ, you are a new person. And we need to get hold of this because we still have problems with the old person and yet we've been forgiven. So we've moved out of Good Friday, the, the crucifixion, through Easter, Saturday, the time of doubt and disillusionment and disobedience for lots into Resurrection Sunday. And the first thing that happened and the first thing that's important to us is that we realise we are completely, completely forgiven. I want to keep saying that because some of us don't believe it, that we're completely forgiven. And we don't understand what it really means to us that, that it's changed our life because we were guilty and yet through him he paid a price that we, we didn't deserve. The second thing, we have full atonement. Now these two words, justification and, and atonement, are really important for us to understand. One is that we're forgiven but atonement is something separate to this. Uh, the scriptures say in 1 John 2, 2, that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the world. Atonement 
is a separate word, and this is what the, the, the uh, dictionary says, the reconciliation of God and humankind especially is accomplished through the life, suffering, and death of Christ. We were made right with God. We are one with God again. That's what we, Christ came to do, that we would be brought back to our Father, that the sin that separated us was now dealt with. We were forgiven, but not only were we forgiven, we were also made right with God, that we could be with him. And this is the important words that come through. Jesus, in his prayer, said, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray also for all those who will believe in me through this message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Now, Jesus' prayer, when we read in, in the Gospel of John, is that when we're in the Father's hands, nobody can snatch you out of them. Nobody. You are so safe in that place that nothing, nothing in this world can have any hold on you. Nothing of the devil or of the wilds or anything that goes on. When we are secure in these places, when we are one in the Father, forgiven of our sins, we can walk in freedom, which is what Christ came to do for us. He came that we might have life. So our sin has been, for, been forgiven, it's been removed, we're now one with God, and this was the price that came. The seven truths that Jesus spoke upon on the cross, we're just going to take four of them today and just try and just tease out a little bit from them. Um, this is number three. It is finished. Now, I've heard so many people say, well, yeah, that part was finished, but, but the, that wasn't really the finished there was the more he was just he died on the cross but that wasn't really the finish let me say today on the cross it was finished it was completed and Jesus said those and you know when you think about it I mean if you understand a Roman scourging it wasn't the, 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 the Jewish 39 less 1 40 less 1 39 stripes the Romans could continually with a cat and nine tails continually whip you till they decided that you were almost dead so he was scourged his back was ripped apart his face was ripped apart and that's why Isaiah said we didn't even know him he wasn't like a man because he was he he was punished to such an extent that he he didn't he didn't know we wouldn't even see him or, or, or understand look who is this he was so punished for our for us that that when he said this, and the Bible says he said it in a loud voice, he would have had to lift himself up on a, on a wooden, rough cross, pulling everything to speak these words out. And I'm not going to go into crucifixion, but everything was you could breathe in, but you couldn't breathe out. That was what it was meant to do. So everything that was done to lift himself up on those nails in his feet and his ankles was immense. But this is what he cried out. He didn't whisper it, as some say. He cried it out. It is finished. I've come and I've accomplished everything that you've done. If we read later on in, in uh, John's Gospel 19, just, uh, just a few verses earlier in 28, it says later, knowing that it was now completed and the scriptures would be fulfilled. So this first scripture we looked at is that he would be crucified, he would be buried, 
and he would rose again according to the scriptures. God had already ordained all of this. He had already set this forward, that this would be how it was going to happen. And so when he, he got to that place and took the sin of the world upon himself, can, I mean, it says in the, in the sixth hour that the world went dark. All hell came upon him. You know, it's just an incredible... I, I cannot imagine how it feels. Sometimes when I'm mistreated because I've been accused of something I didn't do, I find it so hard. But to think that, that my Lord, your Lord, took everything, your sins, upon himself on that day, which is why he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? It was incredible from that moment that he did it. And... Uh, the incredible thing for me when I, when I looked at this in Revelations 13.8, it says the, slam that, the lamb that was slain before the creation of the world. God is outside time. This is what I struggle with and I was talking to Julie about. I struggle with this, how God can be outside our time and break into our time, that he doesn't live in time. It, it doesn't exist to him. And so when he said these words, already it was said, before the creation of the world, this lamb was going to be slain. Passover lamb, this was the real deal now. This was no longer Passover in the fact that we would prepare a lamb and slay it for forgiveness for a year. This was Christ coming in and saying, this is forever. This isn't just for a season. The first, the first Passover was for Adam and Eve, where an animal was slain. And then we see further on where it was for a family where we see in Jericho, where, where we, we see the, the, the protection. We see before that in Exodus, where we painted the, the lamp, the doorposts, and, and uh, I'm trying to think of the things that go across, but lentil soup, yes. <laughs> we see all those things, but the finality was that this is for all mankind forever. And so this it is finished. These are the important words, is that we live in the finished thing. The, the word here in the Greek that really is used for finished is a legal term. It's a legal transaction to say that the transaction is finalised. This is what Adam gave away in the garden. He gave away his birthrights. He gave away everything to, to Satan. And Christ redeemed them. The second Adam came to redeem them. He came to take them back. It was a transaction. Legally, the devil had hold on mankind. To this point, he has no, no legal rights over your life at all anymore. You are forgiven. You are one with God. And it is finished. It's, it's a done deal. You are completely forgiven. You are at one with God and the only time you step outside this is when you choose to. That's the only time it doesn't work for you. Other than that, this incredible words, it is finished, is so real. The fourth thing I just want to say, uh, Luke 23, 43, Jesus answered him, this is the, the, the thief on the cross I tell you the truth, today, today you will be with me in paradise, immediately, today. When you committed your life to Christ, it was immediate. 
it was complete. It was today. This is the thing. When we make promises to God and God honours those promises, it's immediate. He doesn't mess about. His timing is perfect. But this today is an incredible thing for us to get hold of. We're forgiven. We're atoned for. It's finished. And it's immediate. The moment we made those statements, it was complete. And the Bible says we live with a joyful confidence, yet at the same time we take delight in the thought of leaving our bodies behind to be at home with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5a. Now, I'm not saying we should be looking forward to dying because none of us are. We're looking for life. But the fact is, to live, we have to die. And when we die, we live. And then we live, we will eventually die. But your dreams die with Christ. The Bible says that we die to sin and we're alive to God in Christ Jesus. You died to sin. It had no more hold on you anymore. You were forgiven. It was complete. And so we live in God now with the abundant life he's brought for us in Christ Jesus because of what he paid for on the cross. This is incredible. I hope that out of this, you will just go away and think on some of these things. Not just take it as we turned up and we did this on Resurrection Sunday, but these are truths that Jesus spoke that actually affected our life and affect our children's life and our grandchildren and into the future. These promises were not just for us and for the people at the time. These are for forever. And so one commentator said that when we close our eyes on earth, we open them in heaven. This, God does not see death the way we see it. We get all caught up in this because we're human beings and, and we, we're fearful of what we leave behind. The Bible says we move from glory to glory. He doesn't see death the way we do. He sees you're going home. You're moving from one place to another. We clutch onto things that really we need to let go of. Now, please, I'm not saying that we should all be, be cherishing and running to death. Um, but it's not a taboo word either. It's, it's a reality word because we don't, we, don't, we don't understand what it really means. We are moving forward into something. So let me just close this up. Today is a time when we need to, to be clear on our eternal callings. Ephesians 2.8 says, for, for by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you could ever earn, nothing you ever did could earn this salvation. For it, has, it was a love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation. Will never, it's, reward, it's not rewarded by good works or human striving. You can't do this on your own. This was never yours to have. We can't earn it. We can't boast about it. It was a gift of God to us through Christ Jesus on the cross, which is why Resurrection Sunday is so important to our everyday life that remember, you know, Mike sang a song for us on, on the prayer morning. You know, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, the psalmist was talking about this day. That's the real meaning of that. This is the day that Christ would die. This is the day. We will be glad in it. Because he has given us liberty and freedom. He has brought that to us. And we're going to rejoice in it. This is what the psalmist was saying. Because this was the day that set you free and me free. For liberty and for life and forevermore.
this was the day. And so, firstly, we need to fully accept him. This is, this is a, a, some scriptures I'm going to bring up. For if you publicly declare that with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. The heart that believes in him receives the gift of righteousness from God and then the mouth confesses resulting in salvation. So the first step is that we acknowledge him with our mouth, we confess and we believe. And if you've not done that, then you need to do it today. This is something that Resurrection Sunday reminds us about, that this is what we need to do. But secondly, and this is the point I really want to push home today, we have to fully commit our lives to him, not just as saviour, but as Lord. Now some people are good at saviour, you came into the world to die for my sins and I accept that, but you're not Lord of everything. You're not Lord of all of my life. And so to fully commit our lives to him, we have to commit our time, our gifts, our wealth, our health, our dreams, our failures, our successes, our families, our fears, our hopes for the future. When he becomes Lord, the safest place that we're ever in is in his hand. The safest place we will ever go to is Christ. That is the place Proverbs says that he's our strong tower. The righteous run to him and they are saved. You see, for some of us, we're still trying to work out our life on our own because we've not committed it to him. We've not given him all of. And, and so we hold back part. And so in, in essence, we have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And the truth is you get nothing from either. I, I, a friend of mine, Andrew Shearman, who's, who's the brother of David, when I was talking to him one day, he said, David, I do not understand. If people want to sin, go and sin, but do it well. Just go and do it and get on with it. If you want to be a child of God, commit everything to him and you will get everything from God. If you commit to God, he will commit everything to you. If you don't commit to God, he will not be able to commit everything to you. If you dally about in the world with one foot thinking, I can work this out on my own, I can do all this on my own, you will get neither from either. And I really want to say this today because I think it's so important to us. This is a piece of scripture often hidden in, in John 2, 23 to 25. It says, while Jesus was at the Passover feast, which is coming up to Good Friday, the number of his followers began to grow and many gave their allegiance to him because of all the miraculous signs they had seen him doing. But Jesus did not yet entrust, commit himself to them because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. He needed no one to tell him about human nature for he fully understood that what man was capable of doing. Now I want to say to you today, we need to not just commit to him as saviour, we need to commit to him as Lord today. This is the full commitment that he's looking for us from us today. And this is where I really felt that God was beginning to talk to me about Easter Saturday, don't stay in the tomb. The stone's been rolled away. You don't need to live there anymore. You can come out and you can live a life that God's got for you, the full of it, but number two, it, you need to step from being saviour to Lord. You need to, you need to commit 
And so my prayer today is going to be that we will commit to both, Lord and Saviour. Bible says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So I wonder today as we've, we've looked at the Resurrection Sunday and I've not, it's been a bit, bit kind of serious, but this is a serious day for us. It's time to stop playing. It's time to start living. If we want the full commitment of God, he wants the full commitment of you. He's not there teasing you or playing with you. He wants you to be the most successful person that you can ever be. He wants you to live in the abundance of life that he created for you, but he demands that we do something. And today, some of us need to say, I'm going to stop doing this on my own. I'm going to stop trying to work this out on my own. I'm going to give it to you, Lord, because I know when it's in your hands, I'm in the safest place I can be. My job, my wealth, I give it to you, Lord. The two things that catch people the most is time and wealth. And these are the things that we need to commit. So I wonder if we might all just bow our heads and pray together. And if that's you today, then just just raise your hand and say, I want to fully commit my life to you as Lord and as Saviour. I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I want you to be the person that's fully in control of my life. I give it all to you today, Lord, because I trust that you will do all those things for me. And so, Father, as my heart is open to you, as my, my heart wants you more and more, I confess today that, Lord, I can't do this on my own anymore. I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I want you to be the Saviour and the Lord of my life. I need you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the price you paid on the cross. I thank you you died for my sins. I thank you that because of you, I'm at one with God again. I thank you that it's all finished. I thank you now, Lord, that you've done all those things for me, that I'm no longer forsaken, but I'm accepted. And Lord, today, I give you praise and I give you all the glory. You are worth it all, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.